Come on, so good to worship together. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God. Man, even though we can't be together physically, it still is a powerful moment for each and every one of us. I don't know about you, but God is really speaking to me, filling his presence, experiencing his power, and I hope you are as well. Well, Listen, today's a little bit different. Last week, uh, we met together at the Dream Center. There's been a lot of changes that have taken place. And I told you last week that uh, things were moving and changing rapidly. And if they did, we were going to change the way we were doing things ourselves. And here we are. We're having a watch party. Uh, All over the, the communities, we're seeing these watch parties because things have changed. And that's okay. God's not nervous Um, He is not concerned, and we as a church have made modifications and changes so that we could come together, even though not physically, but through technology, we could still have church together. Uh, I don't know about you, I've been pretty entertained by some of these social media memes. I don't know if you've seen them, uh, but my wife, Phyllis, she keeps sending them to me and continues to uh, crack me up throughout the day. I thought I'd give you a couple of them. Uh, Here's one of uh, what you look like when you're coming home in this state. (laughs) Come on, anybody relate to that? Uh, Here's one about church. Uh, I think this one is, is pretty funny. And then, you, you know, you got to see the ones with Chuck Norris. Come on. You, you know you hadn't seen a real meme until you've seen one with Chuck Norris. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, look, I'd love if you get a funny meme, why don't you post it in our Facebook group? We'd love to share it, love to help others laugh, especially in this time. I think laughter does good as a medicine. And so want to uh, share it. We'd love to see it. We'd love to post it and and uh, share with others as well. Now, you know, all of us together, we are in our community. We're in our family groups. Uh, some of you invited friends and uh, others of you, it's just you and your family, maybe you and your spouse. Uh, maybe it's just you watching through the phone or watching through the, the, your computer. Uh, what I want you to know is that uh, though there is distance uh, between us, there's not distance between our relationships, that we're still connected with one another. And as a church, though we have modified church, church is going to continue to move forward because church is not about a building. It's not about uh, a certain location that we meet at. We are the church. And so in times like this, when things create change and we can't go on as normal, We just have to be open to a new modified way to keep church moving forward. And and in our times, in our days, things are changing rapidly, and we just continue to adjust. And no matter what happens, we have to remain the church. We've got to make a commitment. Look, I'm going to be the church. It's not about a four walls or a building. It's about me being the church. And so I want to lead you in what you can expect. Um, I think it's important as you're watching uh, that you hear from me as your pastor, just, hey, pastor, what, what can I expect? What does it look like? You know, some of you haven't heard from me since last week. Now, we have posted on Facebook. We've done some Facebook Live things. We've sent out some emails, but you have been busy. And so this is your first time to hear from me. And I want you to know that uh, we have a response, that we have a plan, that church is going to continue to move forward. It's going to look 
look a little bit differently, but we're going to continue to move forward. We're going to make it through this situation. And not only are we going to make it, we're actually going to be stronger. We're going to be better. All because God's wisdom and grace helps us to move forward in these days and in this time. Now, what can I expect? You know, when you look at it, what does is, what is Sunday morning look like? If we can't gather together, if we can't go to a building or a location, what does it look like? Well, Sundays are now going to be facilitated through watch parties. So just what you're doing right now for the time being, as, as long as necessary, we're going to have these watch parties. And so you'll be able to have your family together. You'll be able to have friends together, just whoever you've got, a couple of neighbors, you know, stay within the guidelines. Um, but you just come together. We're going to stream services and we're going to have these live watch parties and I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to preach hope. I'm going to preach the word of God. We're going to have a time of worship where we can go into the presence of God and it's going to be a great time. And so I, I think it's amazing how we serve such a big God that where the coronavirus uh, has been sent by the enemy to destroy, God turns it around and now he's starting a house church movement. Think about this. Who would have ever imagined just a month ago that you would be having church in your home uh, with your family? So if you're a dad, imagine you are now the pastor, the shepherd of your family. Who would have imagined a month ago that you would be the one leading your family? Maybe you're a mom, a single mom, and you got kids. Look at you pastoring your little house church. Uh, and, and I think God is so amazing that he's smiling down saying, look, the, 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 the coronavirus has it has nothing on me. So the devil thinks he's going to win. I'm going to turn this thing around. I'm going to make us more connected, more uh, stronger than ever before. And it's amazing to see this house church movement. I, I look at it like this. Your house is now a house of hope. Isn't that amazing? That this is a place now where hope resides, that you're going to be able to allow your house to be filled like never before with the hope of God's word. So Sundays are now watch parties, small groups. You know, we're not just a church with small groups, we're a church of small groups. So what does that look like, Pastor? Well, we're going to continue to have small groups. I had small groups this week. I, I met with our married small group on Tuesday night. We just did it through a Zoom call. So we're all on the computer screen and we're watching each other, talking, having a great time. We had our men's small group. We do it on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Well, now it's a Zoom call. And so small groups will continue. We're just going to do it through Zoom calls. We're going to do it through FaceTime calls. Uh, and your leader will have all the information. We've already gone uh, to the necessary organizations and bought licenses so that we can do Zoom calls uh, throughout the week and help facilitate small groups. And listen, I'm asking you, don't quit meeting. Don't stop uh, your small group just because we're walking through this. If, if ever there was a time we need relationships, it's now. More than ever, we've got to connect with people. Uh, social distancing can cause people to feel alone and isolated, and we want you to feel full of hope and get you connected and make sure we stay connected with one another. The dream team. Someone says, Pastor, what's the dream team look like? Well, now, of course, we're not facilitating a Sunday worship experience, and so you're not going to be hosting, standing by a door, greeting, or uh, you know, ushering, or any of the hospitality, or any of the things that we normally do on 
on a Sunday morning worship experience. Uh, but what we do have are other opportunities to volunteer. We need online volunteers. We need people that can help us uh, facilitate conversations in the groups, in the chat rooms, in all the places where we are ministering to people. We need an army of volunteers who will help us go digitally and online. Also, call center. Uh, we want to make sure every person gets a phone call and outreach, children's department. They were on the Dream Center campus yesterday filming nuggets and words of encouragement for your children so that they can hear from their teachers and have hope themselves. And so we need you to volunteer in that area and youth as well. And so uh, we actually have a form on the website where you can go and click and get involved to volunteer in this new season of how we're doing church. And, you know, last is giving. Someone said, well, pastor, you know, I give, but I give at church, I give in the giving center. You know, I fill out a giving envelope, drop it off in the giving center. What do I do now? I'm asking you just to take your giving digital. Uh, about 85% of the church already is digital. Uh, it's not a whole lot that gives in the giving center, but I know some of you feel very comfortable with that. I'm just asking you in this time, just take your giving digital. Uh, there's, you go to the website, you can text to give. That's the way that I give. And so that's what we're doing now. Nothing stops, nothing changes. We just modify the way we have done things in the past. And so I hope that helps give you a sense of what we're doing and how we're moving forward uh, as a church. Now, I'm asking every one of you to do three things, uh, to, to make sure that you say, I'm going to engage in this moment, because I, I believe this can be the church's finest hour, that as the church, we can rise up, we can make a difference as a church. We don't have to shrink back in fear. We don't have to stay paralyzed, but we could step up and make a difference. And so the first thing I want us to do is I want to make sure we're giving hope. Uh, giving hope. I want you to be a dealer of hope. I want you to look people in the eyes and I want you to tell them, look, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going we're gonna to get through this together because I know there are people that are afraid. There are people, you're watching a house party through the house party right now. You're watching the live stream and the truth is you may not have verbalized it or told anybody, but on the inside, you're afraid. You're nervous. You, you, you're, you're like, I don't know if we're actually going to make it. I want you to know. We make it. God wins. He's greater than the coronavirus. He's greater than social isolation. God is greater. And so I want you to be a person that deals in hope. Tell people that we're going to make it. Let me, let me remind you, if you're not familiar, look over the last 20 years, some of the tough things that we have faced as a society. In 2000, we had the Y2K. 2001, we had anthrax. In 2002, we had the West Nile virus. 2003, we had SARS. In 2005, we had the bird flu. In 2006, we had E. coli. In 2008, we had a bad economy. In 2010, we had the BP oil spill, if you guys remember that. 2012, the Mayan calendar. In 2013, North Korea. 2014, we had the Ebola virus. In 2015, the rise of ISIS. 2016, we had the Zika virus. In 2020, we got the coronavirus. And I want you to know, you are still here. Look, God hasn't forsaken you. He, he hadn't left you. We made it. We're going to continue to make it. There is hope. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 says, He has delivered us from such 
a deadly peril. And he will, everybody say will. That's right, say it again, say will. He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope and he will continue to deliver. So God is our hope. My hope is in him. It's not in the government. It's not in, in, in any kind of social system. My hope is in God. Thank you for government. Thank you for social systems that help us. But my hope is in God. And I promise you, he will not forsake us. Look, we're stronger because of this. We're going to come out better because of this. I'm excited to see how the church comes out through this, how technology is going to increase, how impact is going to increase. I'm believing that what the enemy meant to destroy, what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it around for good. I'm praying for revival. Would you just pray with me that God would bring revival? Think about this. You have people that are watching right now and today that would have never stopped to go step foot into a church on a Sunday service normally. But here they are right now. You're watching right now. There's, there's no sports and entertainment. Everything's shut down. There's nowhere to go. You're sitting at home. And so you thought, listen, I'll, I'll tune into this watch party. What's happening? God is getting our attention. He's saying, listen, I've shut it all down now. Here I am. Come on, I want you to come back home to me. And so I'm believing that that's what's happening. And so let's be dealers of hope. Let's give hope. Second thing, I want us to provide support. Let's not focus on ourselves in this time. Of course, make sure that you prepare what you need to prepare. Make sure you continue to have the need, the necessary uh, goods and uh, food and things like that. You know, get what you need to get through this time. But let's make sure we focus on other people's needs. Think about this. There are people that have lost their job because they're in the service industry. You know, indoor dining has shut down. You got waiters and busboys and dishwashers and cooks and preps that no longer have employment. And they don't have extra income or extra money in the bank. And so we want to help those that are in need. We want to help those that are sick. Think about it. It's not just the coronavirus. There are people that are sick. And yet, because of this, they're not getting the necessary help and treatment that they need. Uh, there are people that are scared. There are people that are out of supplies. And all I'm saying is, let's, let's provide support. As a church, let's focus on helping them whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, we're going to help them. And, and of course, first, we're going to start with our own church members. I want you to know uh, we are on a mission right now to call every person in our church and make sure that every person is okay and they have all that they need. And I want you to know Anchor Bend has already been helping people financially. Uh, there are two pastors in our community. They didn't have any resources. Of course, they weren't telling anybody, but we found out about it. And I want you to know as a church, uh, we put money in their hands because of your generosity. As a church, you give faithfully, and it allows us to bring financial help to people, to bring resources to those that otherwise wouldn't have it. So we've already put money in people's hands that otherwise wouldn't have it. We're praying for people online. We're talking to people on the phone and praying with them. Uh, we actually are working on some plans for the Dream Center. Uh, we've already scheduled a blood drive. Uh, we've scheduled a mobile corona testing site for the Dream Center. And so that's already in the works. I'll be excited to announce the day uh, that that will be available. Just stay connected. But we're already working through these avenues of outreach. Uh, we're providing activity supplies for parents, for their kids. Pastor Yolanda, Pastor Chris have already put things together. They're passing them out. We've provided care packages 
messages for medical professionals um, and helping to let them feel loved and appreciated. All of that is because of your generosity. Thank you for your generosity uh, here at the church that you continue to give and you're faithful in that and it allows us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So we want to provide support. Third thing is we want to stay close. I'm asking you to every one of you, stay close to where what God's doing here at Anchor Bend. Stay close to your church family. Uh, make sure that you're calling people, texting people, checking on one another. Stay connected in your small group. If you're not a part of a small group, join a small group. You can go to the website. Uh, you can join one of the small groups and get connected that way. Stay connected through the watch parties. Uh, I'm doing a couple of Facebook Lives each and every um, week. Uh, so just make sure you're checking up on Facebook, social media, Instagram. Uh, keep your youth connected. We're doing city groups. This Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we're doing a Zoom city group. And so make sure that your youth stay connected. Stay connected to the groups for uh, the children. Uh, Pastor Yolanda and Pastor Chris, they're calling every child that's in our church and letting them feel loved and praying for them. And we're going to be doing Zoom calls and making sure that they connect and have a relationship with others as well. And then make sure you're volunteering. This is a great time for you to plug in like never before. Any extra time you have, fill out that form, join with us, let's volunteer together and let's make a difference. It's time for us to be the church like never before. Now, if we're gonna be the church, I wanna share just a few thoughts that I have to help us be the church to be the ones that God uses in this time of need, to seize this opportunity, this moment. So we could look at this as a major negative uh, impact or a, you know, a negative uh, event, or we could take it and say, look, I know there's some bad things to it, but God can really make this into a positive event, something that really benefits people. And that we as a church are more connected, people are more connected, the people that wouldn't have looked to God are now looking to God. And I think the way that we do that, we have to grab a hold of two words like never before, and those two words are fear not. Fear not. Fear not is a theme that runs all throughout the Bible. And when I say fear not, really what we say is don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid. Like, feel fear, but I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to feel fear, but I'm not going to stay stuck in fear. Uh, I choose to fear not. I choose to trust God's word. I choose to believe that he is in control. A lot of people struggle with fear. Uh, one kind or another, fear plagues a lot of people's lives and now more than ever. Uh, fears are typically what we call phobias. Uh, anybody got a phobia? Yeah, it's a, I know some of you got phobias of spiders and, and roaches and snakes and all that. There are over 4,000 phobias documented. Think about that, 4,000. I thought I'd just list a few that I, that I found. A couple of them I may butcher in the pronunciation, but uh, pathophobia, here's one. It's a fear of disease. Monophobia. It's a fear of being alone. Glossophobia is a fear of public speaking. Algophobia is the fear of pain. Uh, Pentrophobia is the fear of your mother-in-law. Now, if your mother-in-law is sitting right there, come on, somebody. Just say, mother-in-law, that's not you. I don't have a fear of you. Come on, right? 
Here's one that I thought was pretty funny. This is good for anybody who's been on a mission trip. I'm going to butcher it, but arachabutiphobia, whatever. (laughs) Fear of peanut butter getting stuck on the roof of your mouth. Anybody ever had that fear? (laughs) And then here's the last one. I I don't know. Uh, This is a terrible one. to. It's philomophobia, and that's the fear of kissing. This is common in, in people that have never experienced a kiss before, uh, but, but it's a phobia. And every one of us have fears. Some may be this phobia of something that's extreme, but the truth is fear is not a laughing matter. No, it's, it's very serious. It's very real. When someone is afraid, it impacts their life in a very real and tangible way. The problem is that when you give in to fear, fear breeds more fear. Fear breeds more fear. I mean, the more you think about it, the more that fear, the thing that you were worried about, the thing that you were afraid about, the more it just manifests and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Fear's a lot like weeds in a garden. Maybe weeds in a flower bed. For me, uh, I don't have a garden, but I do have a flower bed. And it's amazing that when one weed sits in the flower bed and it begins to grow, it's if you don't pull that weed out before long, there's lots of weeds. And if you don't pull those weeds out that have grown, your whole flower bed will be overrun with weeds. They spread, they overrun the flower bed. Fear unchecked is a lot like that. It doesn't get better, it actually gets worse. It grows, it spreads, and it begins to take over your life. The sad fact is this, is that fear uh, most of the time is unfounded. Uh, There was a study that was done that says 95% of our fears are baseless. In other words, there's there's no real foundation for that fear in our life. In other words, it's not going to ever happen. Think about that. Study showed 95% of the things that we're afraid of are really never even going to happen. Think about this. If, if you're afraid of sharks, every year farmyard pigs kill more people than sharks do. Isn't that crazy? And yet when you get in the beach, you're like, oh my God, Jaws is going to come up and get me. And yet that study shows probably never going to happen. If you're afraid of flying in an airplane, you are more likely to die from choking on a piece of food than you are in a commercial airline crash. If you're afraid of dying in a robbery, you're afraid something tragic is going to happen like that, you're twice as likely to be killed playing sports than you are to be stabbed to death by a stranger. Look, if you're afraid of surgery, or you have surgery coming up, or a surgical procedure, you're 16 times more likely to die in a car crash than you are to die of complications from that surgery. So we recognize the fear is real in our heart, but really a lot of the fear that we experience is baseless. It's, it's not ever going to really happen to us, and yet it dominates our life many times. Second thing is, look, fear clouds our judgment. When you're afraid, when you feel fear, we do things that you wouldn't normally do. You react in a way that's really irrational. Why? Because fear clouds your judgment. Anybody afraid of dogs? Anybody? What happens if you're afraid of dogs and you're walking around uh, the street or around the block and you're about to cut through a neighborhood and you see a sign that says, beware of dogs, what happens to you? 
<laughs> you start to get a little nervous. Why? Because there's a sign there that says, beware of dogs. And you know, if, you, if you really have a fear of dogs, what, what happens? You begin to have anxiety. Your heart rate starts to go up. You start to imagine the worst case scenario. If you're afraid of dogs, I mean, you, you probably have had this happen immediately. Your mind goes to the biggest, ugliest, meanest dog you can imagine, and you begin to picture that dog just running out the door, running through the gate, and chasing you and attacking you. Uh, but think about, you see that sign? And then you, you realize, look, I wonder what kind of dog that is. Imagine this, you see the sign, and a little chihuahua comes out. A little Yorkie, right? I mean, that's probably what's even there in that moment. And, and so when you see that Yorkie, you see that Chihuahua, what do you think? You think, well, that's silly. That little dog's not going to hurt me. Uh, there's no way. I mean, I, if you got one of those little yappy dogs, you know, they got a lot of bark, but they got very little bite. And so you see the sign, but the sign caused you to respond in an irrational way. See, the dog couldn't keep you away, but the sign sure did. Well, what is that? That's fear. Fear caused you to, to be irrational. It caused you not to make well decisions and good decisions. Third thing is this, fear, fear paralyzes us. Uh, when you are afraid, uh, fear keeps you from doing what you should do. Uh, it keeps you from stepping up. It causes you to step back. It causes you to stay still. It paralyzes you from doing what God wants you to do. And as the church, this is not a time for us to be paralyzed. This is not a time for us to shrink back. This is a time for us to move forward in faith. This is a time for us to hear from God and to step out. Listen, we got to step out and be our neighbor, uh, meet our neighbors and get to know them and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Because what we know is the paralyzed uh, feeling we get from fear is because we feel like the, the, the thing we're afraid of is greater than God. But it's not from God. God is greater than anything we can be afraid of. It's like a roaring lion that, 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 that has a roar that paralyzes us. But God is greater than that. Look, the enemy, uh, think about this. The devil has nothing more than a great roar. When you look at lions, lions roar. That's what they do. And, and that roar strikes fear in the animals that are around it. And when the animal hears this powerful roar, a lot of times that animal is paralyzed. Why? Because it heard the sound. It heard the roar. But here's what you have to know. That roar doesn't have the power to kill. That roar doesn't have the power to, to go and take over that animal. It's the fear that paralyzes the animal that causes it to be in danger. That roar has no power. It's powerless. Look, the devil is powerless. Coronavirus is powerless against God. Now, I'm not talking about not keeping good hygiene and safe practices, but I'm telling you that God is greater than any sickness. God is greater than any disease. I refuse to walk in fear. I refuse to be paralyzed by fear because my God is greater. He is stronger and he loves and protects us. God is well able to keep us safe. God keeps his angels charge over us, Psalms 91 says. 91 uh, says. And so I just want to encourage you, choose faith over fear. Choose faith, 
Not fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Think about it. God. He hadn't given us fear. He's given us power. He's given us love. And he's given us a sound mind. So where does that come from? God. He's the source. He's the one that gives that to us. And if he's the source, then we've got to go to God when we need those things. That God, I need, I need love. I need power. I need a sound mind. I don't want my mind bogged down in all this fear, in this anxiety, in this worry. So God, I've got to go to you. I've got to go to the source. It's the only way we get full of what God offers to us as Christians. You cannot bypass the source. Our lives are a lot like cars. You know, if you got a car, um, you, you know, it could be a new car. It could be a well-built car. It could be a car with an amazing engine in it. But no matter what the condition is, a car will not run without gasoline. It needs gas to run. You got to put gas in the tank for that car to run. If it doesn't have gas, it's not going to run. God created us the much the same way. We've got all that we need to live in this earth, to be uh, successful, to thrive, to, to go into any situation. He says we are equipped, we are well able, but the truth is, no matter how well equipped we are, if we don't have the power of God on the inside of us, we won't have what we need to live the life God's called us to live. God is the source of hope. God is the source of healing. God is the source of courage. He is our source of strength. And so if he is the source, then I've got to go to him and be filled up every single day so that I can live the life he's called me to live. Otherwise, what happens is eventually I get burned out. Just like a car will stop running if it doesn't have gasoline in the tank. Our lives get burned out if we don't have the power of God filling us up every single day. And this is a time for us to run to God. This is a time for us to be filled up with his power, to be filled up with his presence so that we can receive all that we need in this time. So how do I get filled up? It's just two simple things, two things that will help us get filled. Number one, we got to pray. Prayer is how we fill ourselves up. Psalms 34, 4 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. We say, I prayed. I prayed. God, he answered me. How, how did he answer? Look, he freed me from all of my fears. So I'm going to allow being in the presence of God to transform me, to experience all that I need and to remove the fear out of my life. It's through a relationship, not religion. You get, it's, it's not about doing just these religious acts. It's about, God, I love you. God, I want to spend time with you. I'm going to commune with you. I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to talk to you. I want to have a relationship with you. And that's the greatest desire of God, that we would have a relationship as a father has with their son or their daughter. God wants us to have that relationship with him. And as we pray, he's filling us up. He's recharging our tank. He's causing us to be filled up with all that we need to walk through this situation. Second thing is we've got to read God's word. There is no substitute. You've got to get into the word of God. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to study it. Um, there's no way to get the hope of God, the strength of God, the grace of God, everything that we need outside of the word of God. And so we've got to dive into his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing 
by the word of God. It's through the word of God that faith is deposited into our hearts in such a way that we can live differently. We can be filled up with the grace, the power, and the strength that he has available for us. Now, as we get ready to close, I want to close reading out Psalms 91. Uh, I want this to build your faith. I want this to fill your heart with strength. I want to encourage you to read this every single day. I want to encourage you to read it out loud, uh, to declare it, to speak it, to pray it over your kids, to pray it in the morning, pray it in the afternoon, pray it in the evening, and allow God's word to fill your heart with faith. Uh, Psalm 91, uh, I want to read. It says, I will dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and I will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. I will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. The Lord is my refuge. Say that with me. Say it. Say, the Lord is my refuge, and I make the most high my dwelling. Therefore, no harm will overtake me. No disaster will come near my tent, for he will command his angels concerning me to guard me in all of my ways. I will call on the Lord, and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. And then look at this. I love this. And with long life, God will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Isn't that amazing? Father, that you satisfy us with long life. I'm praying God's peace and strength and grace over your life. I pray against the spirit of fear that you're not going to walk in fear. There's nothing to be hopeless about. God is still in control. He is still on his throne. He's turning this situation around. Revival is coming. People are being turned back to the heart of the Father. It's amazing to me to see people that have backslidden, people that have run away, people that have drifted away from church and God now focusing their lives back. And then people that were that were distant, didn't have a relationship with him. Now they're saying, man, God, I need hope. I'm going to turn to you. And God is using this for his good to turn the church back to him. Now I want to pray over you. 